Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning, everybody. Today we're starting this new series of messages, and let's face it, it's a subject that is close to our hearts, isn't it? Most of us in the room and most people are just naturally inclined to uh, seek more money, to we hope that we'll acquire more money over our lives. We, we're working really hard to protect and preserve the money that we do have, the possessions that we have. I'll say it this way, uh, we're, we're treasure hunters. We're treasure hunters. Maybe that's why those treasure movies are so fun to watch and have so much appeal and sort of you can get wrapped up in the, the pursuit of treasure. Uh, for some people, treasure hunting can be an obsession. Treasure hunting can just take people over. Uh, maybe not for you, but, but for many, uh, th- there's a real strong desire to build our lives around money, around possessions, around financial security. It can be a driving force. And it's just amazing how much time and energy and emotion that this whole area can really consume. So to get us started, I want to show you a video clip from a pretty familiar movie. And so here we go. Treasure hunting, seen through the eyes of Indiana Jones. Let's hurry. There's nothing to fear here. Stay here. If you insist, Senor. Does he make it out? You'll have to watch it yourself. <laughs> That's a fun movie right there. Some of us, we grew up on those types of movies, uh, or, or any of these movies. Uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world. This, I don't know if you've seen that. It's an older movie. 
the Goonies, the, the, uh, you know, the Hunt for That Treasure, or, or here's some more recent movies, National Treasure, Aladdin, they just remade that. And I have memories watching these, these movies with my sister and my dad. And along with that wrapped up with the American dream, this can really feed in us an obsession for treasure. It's really nothing new. In fact, Jesus, he spoke directly to this issue. And this has always been a core issue in life that you need to get right. You need to understand money and possessions. If, if you can handle money and possessions in the right way, then life can go really well. But if you can't handle money and possessions in the right well, way, then you just get rattled on the inside, don't you? We all do. Why is that? Why is it that, that our emotions are so tied to money and possessions? Well, Jesus taught this. Jesus taught Matthew six twenty one, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, your heart, your heart follows your treasure. Uh, so I want to I illustrate this. I've got a little prop here for us. This is your heart following your treasure. It's attached to a Benjamin, a $100 bill right there. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So wherever you move the dollars, that's where your heart goes. Wherever you spend it, wherever you put it. Here's how one pastor stated this principle. My heart always goes where I put my money. It just follows. And so, now, here's one way of looking at this. We... We can put our dollars, we can put money into people. You know, needs come up and there's challenges that people walk through and and you can put dollars towards people. Uh, you can put dollars towards the church. And you can put dollars towards the home you live in, the vehicle you drive, the possessions that you got. So our heart just follows along after our treasure. And essentially, as we're putting money in these different things, it's, it's basically doing something to our heart and it's saying something about our heart, depending on what we do with the dollars. You know, it's, it's doing something. Now, our heart, I'm not just talking about the heart as an organ that pumps blood in your body. I'm talking about the heart in the way that the Bible uses the term, it's, it's the decision-making core, your, your, the, the guidance central of your life. It's sort of like the cockpit of a plane where all the decisions are made that steer the direction of that plane. That's your heart. Everything you do comes from your heart. For example, if I spend, if I decide I'm going to spend, uh, let's say, $25,000 on a new car. Okay, I'm put it over here. Over the vehicle, I, I, that's that's a good investment of of my treasure, isn't that's a lot. Now, thirty six thousand is the average car price in California right now. A Toyota Camry or a Honda Accord is closer to twenty six thousand. So we'll just we'll go with the trusty, reliable, get you down the road for many years option. The Camry or the Accord is twenty six thousand dollars. So if I spend that on a car, I'm excited to drive that car. I, I'm going to protect that car because I've declared it has a certain amount of value to me. 
And depending on how much it's worth to me, I'll probably be very careful who I park it next to. <laughs> you know, when you choose in a parking lot, you know how careful you are about which car you park next to. Or who's sitting in that car and how concerned you think they'll be about your car. You're going to be careful to, to, to clean it. You're going to be thinking through who you let drive it. Uh, you know, how often you stare at it. Ah, oh, look at my car. Look at my new car. It's, it's, it, we get wrapped up in this because the more of my treasure that goes there, the more my heart is really invested in this. I was in college like over 20 years ago, and, and there was, I had just bought a new truck in 1997, I think. It was 97. I bought this new truck. Nice, burgundy. I was really proud of it. I felt really uh, excited about that purchase. And I would wash it and keep it clean and... and uh, a friend of mine, he said, hey, can I borrow your truck? I uh, I need to get some stuff out of storage. Now, this guy, he didn't have a vehicle. I don't know that he brushed his teeth all that often. Uh, he didn't take great care of himself, but he was a friend of mine. And, uh, and uh, he said, can I borrow your truck? And I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and I you know, because I cared about him. So it's like... You know, here you go. People are important. You know, I'm going to let you borrow my truck. And so reluctantly, I gave him the keys, and he drives off my truck. I went downstairs to the bottom of the dormitory lobby, and I waited for him anxiously, you know, like that he would pull up in the truck, and it would be, you know, fine. And so he pulls up eventually, and he just had to go to a storage unit around the corner. He came back. and said, I just need to get a box and bring it back. Okay. So he gets this box. He brings it back. I see him pull into the parking lot. I I head out of the dorms. It looks good from a distance. It looks good. It looks good. I get up close. It looks great. I'm like, whew. He gets out. He grabs the box out of the, uh, he opens the tailgate, grabs the box, and he uses the box to close the tailgate. Well, did you know that cardboard is abrasive <laughs> to, to your clear coat of paint? And so it just left this nice scuff mark along the bottom, of, you know, along the tailgate. And he could have used his hand, maybe put the box down first and closed it with his hand. Instead, he uses the box. And I'm just like, Ugh. and really, <laughs> my heart was right here. I mean, I just, I did want to help him out. But if he'd asked me again, can I borrow? Uh, I got class all the time. <laughs> There's other guys that you could borrow. I'm sure they'd be happy to loan you their truck. And and my heart just sort of sank because my heart was sort of wrapped up in this thing. And, and now the same thing could go if I if I spent four hundred thousand dollars on a house, which some of us here in the room are homeowners, and uh, I bought a condo, my first condo with my wife. We were like twenty six years old, I think twenty five or twenty six years old in Chino Hills, and uh, at that time it was worth a hundred. I paid one hundred eighty six thousand dollars. Which is like, where can you find one of those these days? You don't find those much anymore. But, but it, it, you know, if I spent that kind of money today, you know, let's say I spent four hundred thousand dollars on a house. The average house in Riverside is four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. But the average price in California is five hundred fifty thousand dollars in California right now. Uh, well, my heart again is following that purchase, that investment. Some of you know what I'm talking about because some of you have made larger purchases on cars or a house or other things. and But your heart, you get wrapped up. You're excited to finally get those keys. It's a lot of work buying houses. It's, it's, you furnish it. You want to protect it. It has a certain amount of value to you. The, the more value it has, the more your heart gets wrapped up in it. 
And then once you move into that new neighborhood, you, you think, you know what, I want to, I want to get to know the neighbors. And so I'm going to, let's invite this family over for dinner. Let's make them a nice meal. And so it's sort of an investment of your resources into people. You make a nice dinner, nice spread, nice dessert. You get, you just plan the whole night out. Everything is going so well until, oh no, they spilled something on my couch. <laughs> You see how this interaction happens? It's just our heart goes where our treasure is. We're just constantly being pulled around. And why are these such emotional issues? Jesus said, it's because your heart follows your treasure. How much time do you spend thinking daily about your bills, your debt? No, Maybe not daily, but probably at least weekly, monthly, but regularly about your bills, your debt, not having enough at the end of the month. Or, or repairs, things that get broken, you're frustrated over that, or comparison with others around you, or just regrets, like you make a purchase and you're like, oh, why did we do that? We shouldn't have done that. These are all personal and really powerful emotions, and you're not alone. If you feel that way, another pastor said it this way, Carrie Newhoff said, if you don't struggle with money, then you're probably not human. This just, it's a struggle. But what, what can we do? Let's back up a few verses from what Jesus said. When he, when he said in verse 21, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He said in verse 19, these are at the top of your listening guide. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Anybody had a, a thief break in and steal? Steal a car? Break into your car? Steal anything out of your car? Show of hands? Yeah. Anybody have any, any houses been broken into before? Or garages? Yeah, I mean, this stuff happens. The bad news here is Jesus is describing a stockpiling, a storing up of earthly treasure that that is just not secure. Every car you buy, every house you own, every, every shoe in your closet, every outfit hanging up, every piece of technology is just not secure. It'll break down, it'll wear down, it'll become obsolete, need to be replaced. That, that's not good news, Jesus. (laughs) That's not good news. So what is he saying? Is he saying don't ever buy anything? Or, or sell all your stuff and go and live in a monastery. We'll just, just wear a robe and recycle, get two robes and recycle those robes. What's Jesus saying? No one, in fact, in fact, scripture actually says that you have needs. You need to take care of your own load in life. And if you don't, if you're always the person that is in need, then you become a burden on, on everyone around you. So you need to take care of your needs. You need to, there's like a backpack you wear in life. You'd call that your, your basic needs in life. The things that are your responsibility, no one else's responsibility. But when you don't take care of your needs, other people then have to, to carry your load. So there's some things you need, you know. There, you need a, a car. That, that you, need, you need a working vehicle. You need a reliable one. You need a place to live. You need, you know, you need shelter. You need clothes. Jesus talks about these things that we do need. And you need food. And, and, and even beyond the needs, we have our wants. And God actually grants permission for us to experience enjoyment in life beyond the needs. There's, he gives us permission to use our money for enjoyment. And we'll look at that idea later on in this series. But Jesus is highlighting a principle that when you wrap your heart around earthly treasure as the number one priority, then your heart is in constant turmoil because none of it is secure. None of the earthly possessions and resources are secure and so jesus said don't store up earthly treasure sure you need some you're going to spend money on 
some different things, but you'll never ever have enough stuff to satisfy you, and none of it is eternal. None of it, meaning you can't take any of this on to the next life. None of this is going with you into eternity. Here's two sights that you'll never see. You'll never see a hearse pulling a boat. I love my boat. Well, you can't take the boat with you. <laughs> you, you you'll never see this. You'll never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Store all your favorite possessions, those baseball cards, those things that you just, you know, those things, those collectibles, those things that we that we love. And I, if, I, if you know, we like to play the game. If you had to go on a, a, you know, an island, what would you take with you? If you had five possessions, you, know, those, you, you can't take those earthly things with you. And since it, it just... It doesn't work just to store it all up. What do we do with it then? What do we do with our money? What do we do with our possessions? That's really the hope that we have for this series. We want to provide some practical help on how to get right on the money. How do we get the right perspective? How do we see things from God's perspective so that we can get things right in God's eyes in relationship to our money? And this is so critical. It doesn't matter how young you are. I mean, there's some children in the room. There's some uh, early teens in the room, there's some teenagers in the room, there's college students in the room, you know, and, and the, the spe- it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, it doesn't matter if you make $5 a week for your allowance, or 50 cents a week for your allowance, it doesn't ma- matter if you make $50 a week, there was a girl in the last service, I think when I said $5 a week for your allowance, she like perked up, because that was probably her allowance, and then I said, it doesn't matter if you make $50 a week, and she was like, <gasps> like, that can happen? <laughs> it doesn't matter if you make $500 a week. It doesn't matter if you make $5,000 a week, which, which some people do, and more. It doesn't matter if you're working, you're training, you're in school. It doesn't matter if you're retired. It, it, your heart follows your treasure. And so it's important we nail down this issue as soon as we can because as the seasons of our life change, this principle will stay the same. We need to lock it in. Early in our perspective. So, so look at where Jesus goes in the next verse, verse 20. But store up for yourselves, he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Money and possessions can actually be sent ahead of us into an, into an eternal place, into heaven. Store up your treasures in heaven. We can send money and possessions. They can be invested beyond just the here and now. We can send them ahead. Essentially, Jesus is saying this, that there's more to life than earthly treasure. There's more. There's more important things than just earthly treasure. At one point or another, we come up empty on this earthly treasure hunt that we're all finding ourselves on. Kind of reminds me of the time of year that it is right now. As a kid, I used to love Halloween. I mean, what kid doesn't love Halloween? Trick-or-treating is one of the, you know, greatest inventions. (laughs) As a kid, I mean, you put on a costume, you get a bag, you get a bucket, you get a pillowcase, and you walk around to people's homes, and you ask them for candy. Trick-or-treat, and they actually give it to you. (laughs) They actually give it to you, unless you're one of those folks that camps out with a candle, you know, in in the house, and, and... The dog's barking. The kids are talking. Shh. We're out of candy. But do you remember the, the times when you're disappointed as a trick-or-treater? They drop in one piece of candy, and you're like, one piece? I see the bucket there. One piece? Or, or they drop in a Tootsie Roll. 
or a, or a, what's the worst one? The rainbow peppermint, you know, circle. You know, you're like, really? Is it even wrapped still? <laughs> Ew, I know. You're not sure it's safe to eat. And, or worse, or worse, they give you a look because you're technically a little too old to be trick-or-treating. <laughs> you're like, it's for the kids, you know? <laughs> but this is how it is in life. We pursue wealth and materialism, but instead of trying to fill our candy bags, we're trying to fill up our bank accounts. We're trying to fill up our, our houses. We're, we're trying to fill things up. And, and then afterwards, instead of having those empty candy wrapper of disappointment, you know, when you get to the end of the candy, instead of that, we have what we call bills and what we call debt. And it's up to our eyeballs. And we get to the point where we ask ourselves, what do I have to show for all of this? And, and I'm here to tell you there's actually more. Jesus is saying there's more to life than earthly treasure. Many of us, we want a quick fix in this area. We would love it if our money problems would just get solved and we didn't have to worry about it anymore. But, but honestly, any fix without a new perspective, it's not going to be a lasting change. We'll just keep doing what we've always done. And so here's another story. Flip to Luke chapter 12. You'll see this in your listening guide as well. Luke 12. Jesus told a story to some people that they thought all of their money... And all of their money problems and all of their life problems would be solved if they could just get a little bit more money. Right? I mean, just give me more and everything will take care of itself. Just a little bit more. But Jesus knew this was not a treasure issue. He he knew it was a heart issue. So Jesus always went for the heart, which is the motivation. It's it's the driver of what we do. Jesus knew this, that, that if you change the heart, then you change the life. Change the heart, you change the life. So let's look at the story. Luke 12, verse 13. This is in the third book of the New Testament. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. There you have it. Quick fix. We just want this. Jesus, tell my, tell my brother to be fair. Make sure this is a fair deal that I get what's, what's you know. It makes sense to us, right? And then look at Jesus' response. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then Jesus goes, he says, watch out. He turns to the crowds, to everyone listening. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus gives a crucial warning to all of us. He says, hey, pay attention. Watch yourself carefully. Your life, your worth, your existence is not found in how much money you have or how many, how, many, how many things you own. Your life is worth more than just stuff, Jesus is saying. And he goes on with the parable. Now he gives this story to just drive home a point. Look at verse 16. He told them this parable. This is related to this issue with this, this man and his brother. He said, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. Something to note as we look at this parable. It says that this person was rich already. Meaning, and in, in Bible terms, he's got more than he needs. He's, he's enjoying life. He's enjoying his wants. He's got extra. He's got an abundance. So he's already in a place of abundance, okay? In a lot of places, you know, this is how people would define rich, people that have an abundance. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop, meaning the guy who had an abundance had a really good year. More comes in at this one point. And he thought to himself which happens any time resources flow into our life, what shall I do? 
He says, I have no place to store my crops. What he's really saying is, what do I do with the extra that has come in? He's not talking about what do I do with the normal production. He's got a plan for that. He's talking about what do I do with the extra that has just come in. It was a really good year. What do I do with this? Then in verse 18, it says, this is what I'll do. He tells himself, you know, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. You see, his riches were all invested in earthly treasure. He wasn't rich towards God. I mean, he was. it, it almost appears in the story that the guy was bankrupt towards God. He was empty. The opposite of riches is I'm really in need. I, I hardly have any. I don't, you know, it's, I, I'm barely getting by. He, this guy was barely getting by when it came to him and God. And God says, who's going to get all this stuff that you've prepared for yourself now? The man's problem do you get what his problem was? He was too successful. <laughs> he was too successful to the point where he had more money and more stuff than he knew what to do with. His barns weren't big enough. He didn't have room for it all. Now, there's a problem that we wouldn't mind having to work through, right? Would you mind having that problem? Like if six months from now we had an amazing year financially, you as an individual, your job, you just get this huge bonuses are coming in and you're like wow and that's the guy's that's his predicament he just resources are coming in he's got extra what does he do he goes and builds a bigger barn and the treasure hunter in the story got so much treasure that he needed to expand and so he he expands his vaults he buys and he stores more stuff notice his goal relax enjoy it all for yourself you finally made it man good job but note God's response. You foolish man, he says. Your life is going to end today and your vaults stay right here. Everything stays right here. Now what? The man's goal was very short-sighted. The good life. God's goal is this. The heart. The heart change. God's goal is be rich towards God. Overflow in abundance towards a richness towards God. What does that really look like, though? How, how practical is that? What, is, what does that mean for us? Jesus wants us to know that there is more to life than earthly treasure. This is a heart issue, though. God wants to lead us to discover what is real treasure. Here's the good news about this. You can start wherever you are. Wherever you find yourself, you can start. When it comes to money, we find ourselves somewhere on this spectrum. You, if you take out this listening guide again and see at the bottom, there's a spectrum on the bottom. From struggling, you, you could say, you know what? I'm struggling, and that's where I'm at on the spectrum. When it comes to money and possession, I'm just struggling. What that means is my heart, my decision-making center, just even all of my emotions and the core of who I am, it's all over the place. I'm tired of the emotional roller coaster from what is constantly breaking down and I just, I just can't make progress. Everything is, is, is stressing me out in this department. And at this point, 
If you're struggling, then being rich towards God doesn't make sense. It seems impossible. It kind of feels like I'm a hamster on that wheel and I'm just working, 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 but without any progress. I'm just struggling. If you're there, we want to help you move from struggling to this next place on the spectrum, which is this. It's, it's to become stable. To become stable. You might want to jot down to be stable means I have a plan. A mark of someone who's stable financially is they have a financial plan. Some people call it a budget. Some people call it a plan. But you have a plan for finances and possessions. You know where the money is coming in from. You know how much that is. And you know what's going out. You have a, you, you have a good grip on what is coming in and what is coming out. You know where it's going. You're making progress. And at this point, if you're stable, it actually makes sense to become really regular in, in, in generosity towards people or towards God's kingdom, you know, giving to the church. I mean, th- that makes more sense if you're in a stable place financially where you actually have a plan. It makes sense to put generosity into the plan as a part of the budget. You're not as overwhelmed. You're not as stressed. You're stable. From there, we want to help you move to the next part of the spectrum, which is surrender. If you've surrendered your finances to God, you've surrendered your money and possessions to God, there's a term in the Bible that would describe you, and it's the term steward. A steward is like a money manager. You don't find it much outside of the Bible. We don't often use the term steward anymore, but it it just means money manager. You're managing money. You recognize that you're stewarding what God has, resources that God has entrusted to you, and you're stewarding back to God in proportion to your income. So you're actually giving in proportion to your income. And, and the biblical term is called the tithes. The tithe is, it just means the tenth. It's the tenth of our earnings that goes back to God. He has the first claim on that. And he says, I'm, I'm providing 100% of what you've got. It all comes from me. But, I, but God calls stewards to give back to him a tenth of, his, of what has been entrusted to return it back to God. And it's a huge act of faith. So it moves a person from stability to surrendered. This is where uh, a heart of submission and surrender. And at this point, you're looking to extend what God has on his heart. You're trying to resource God's kingdom and his purposes. And at the surrender stage, you're, you keep asking the question, God, I want to please you. I'm doing this out of obedience. I want to please you. But there's even another level on the spectrum. The, the fourth level on the spectrum is it's called sacrifice. Beyond even the point of surrender, there's a sacrifice. This is times in in our lives where God calls us to give even more. This this is called extra generosity, extra giving. Uh, Some people give to missionaries who live around the world. And and some of you, you give regularly to to friends of yours or people you know that are serving the Lord in different places, reaching people that are not reached. And so that's extra generosity. It's beyond the first tenth. It's an offering of sacrifice. Maybe you're giving... Of all of, of all 100% of what God has entrusted to you, maybe you give 12%. Maybe the first tenth goes to your church and 2% goes out to missions, to specific causes or organizations or some people give to campus ministries. Again, those are things beyond that first tenth. And some people, they grow that to 15%, to 20%. Some people aim to just live off of very little so they can send more on into eternity. Extra giving is, is a real stretch and it's a real challenge. That's why it's called sacrifice. Something that, as a church, a dynamic that we've been trying to keep everyone informed about is we're in escrow on a property. This is really like an extra giving opportunity. We see this as really an opportunity for sacrifice. And it may not be that, that, 
that everyone is able to participate because you might say, you know, I'm just not at that place yet. I'm, I'm really back struggling. I need to get stable. And we would say we want to help you move from struggling to stable. We want to help because you're a steward and we want to help you develop stewardship. And giving to extra things like this just maybe not something you're able to do right now. But you bring it before God. This property, there's a sheet inside of your, inside of your, an insert inside of your program. You can pull it out. This is the most sort of up-to-date Q&A. It's not all the Q&A. There's actually a website on the back. You can flip to the website. But in escrow, we, or in July, we entered escrow on this property. A month ago, we voted as church membership. So our members gathered here in this room and voted, and there was a 98% vote to move forward on closing escrow on this property come January. If we have the resources, then the vote was that we would... um, want to close escrow on this property. We're in this due diligence period up until December the 20th, and we're just asking God to show us if this piece of land is the right place for a future permanent home for OCC. And we're working a lot with the city. We're, we've engaged an architect. We've been saving money. We've been building a building expansion fund. Most of that will go, uh, or all of that will go to a down payment, but we're not even fully funded yet for our down payment. We're about halfway there. So this... This shows, uh, this is how the site currently looks right now. Um, this is a rendering of what our architect has, this is what we're proposing on Tuesday. We're submitting all, our, all of our plans to the city. We've already sat down with the city and showed preliminary plans. But this is with some uh, other adjustments. Essentially, this is uh, what we, Lord willing, will see built there in the years ahead. This is four phases. So what you're seeing is the completion of four phases. Uh, the first phase that we're working on involves buying the land and renovating the two bottom buildings that are existing on the property. So those two buildings that you see on there actually will stay up, we'll renovate them, uh, bring them up to code, put a new roof on, improve the parking lot. Um, phase two would be to build that auditorium. But the first phase is just buying the land and renovating. That first phase is is what we're aiming to hit um, in our building expansion fund is we need a down payment. And so we need $400,000 more than what we currently have in our building expansion fund. There's a little bit of that that has already begun to come in, but we're aiming on the back. You see that in order to close the gap, OCC would need to raise an additional $400,000 by December 15th of 2019. It's a substantial amount of money. And and you might be like, wow, that seems like crazy. (laughs) And you know what's... This is not, by the way, in an effort to twist your arm. Uh, this is to inform our congregation on, on where things are at. Our members uh, gathered a month ago and, and understood this dynamic, still voted to move forward in faith that God would do this and that we'd be generous towards this. But now I'm sort of bringing out to everybody. So if you're in the OCC family, that you would be praying for this. Pray and ask God, God, do you want me to be involved in this opportunity? And then how? How, how do I do that? We're asking God to stir our hearts towards generosity as the congregation towards this. And, and already many, many people have. Uh, if, if you're able to give cash towards the building and expansion fund, that's great. Uh, up until December 15th, uh, on the back of or on the offering envelope, just make sure if you're giving and you want that to go towards the building and expansion fund. And it's beyond and above and beyond your normal regular giving here. Just make sure you indicate it on the either online or if you do it through the offering envelope, just make sure you indicate it in the right place so it goes to the right fund. 
Um, some people have given from cash. Some people are trying to save cash between now and December 15th to be able to give as much as they're able towards this down payment need. Uh, some people are selling items. There were people this past weekend that had yard sales. Some people have sold cars that, that they didn't, that they had lying around. Some people had, had taken money they'd saved for other purposes and have offered to give that towards the building fund. Some people have given out of their home equity. Some people have delayed retirement in order to help with this need. And so if you're not able to give towards this, then, then maybe you just say, I'm just, I'm really struggling. And so the step to take, take your next step. This, the step from struggling is get stable, get a plan, begin to, to get a plan budgeting the resources that have been entrusted to you. And next month at the end of this series, we're going to be doing that financial seminar where two of the men from our church who do some coaching and, and give help in the area of finances uh, will, will help people move from whatever stage they're in to the next place in that spectrum. Uh, and then come December 15th at our family Christmas service, that's pretty much five days before um, the end of our due diligence period. We'll just take an account and see where our building expansion fund is at, and we'll see if, if we've hit the major benchmark to be able to p- cover our down payment. And our lender has said to us uh, just a few days ago, uh, John, one of our pastors, and myself, we're on a conference call with, with our lender and, and uh, three different folks from, our, from the lender that we've been wanting to work with, and they feel more comfortable with us because one of the primary reasons, I think, is they want to partner with us because they said, your church has raised $360,000 already in the building fund, and that's without even a, a property. That, I mean, that all was sort of in faith towards the future, that we were trusting that God would provide an opportunity. And then something like this has come up now. But most of the time, money doesn't come in until there's an actual opportunity. And so the fact that so much was given before an opportunity that really got the lenders excited about wanting to partner with us. It's hard to find ministry lending partners these days um, because of the economy and, and um, the financial ups and downs. And so, but there are many churches and friends of ours in our state and, and, through, and even outside of our state through our network who are praying for us and cheering us on. And so if you have any questions about this opportunity, we understand this is an extra giving opportunity. Um, don't be afraid to ask God, God, what do you want me to do with this? And how, how would you want me to participate? And then ask God to show you creative ways to pull that off. There's other details beyond what's on the flyer that you can see on our website. And uh, as we wrap up, I want to invite Cody and our worship team back up to the stage. As we wrap up, A really, I think a really practical next step would be to take that spectrum at the bottom of the sheet and just circle where you see yourself on that spectrum. Where do you see yourself on that spectrum currently? And then ask God, God, would you help me to take another step forward? Here's some additional, uh, there's some additional next steps you see at the bottom of your listening guide. Ex- ask God to examine my heart. Like we said, this, this issue is really a heart issue. And so ask God to examine your heart. Spend some more time on this this uh, this week, and then second, if if maybe you think this series would be helpful for others that are trying to move from struggling to stable, or from stable to surrender, invite them to come with you. And then finally, sign up for the finance seminar that's coming up later in November next month. And so, would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for this time, and and. 
Thank you for the, the teachings that Jesus gave, the perspective that he provided. Thank you for his ability to cut to the heart of issues. And Father, we, we can't help but feel the, uh, the real personal nature of, of how money and possessions, uh, how you interact with us. There's almost nothing more interactive than, than this area. And Father, for so many of us, it's a, it's a struggle. It's a heart struggle. It's a faith issue. And thank you, Lord, for, for the clarity that your word gives us. We pray, God, for, um, for growth in all of us, Lord, that we would take the steps that you lay out before us and that we'd trust you all along the way. We commit the really giant faith uh, gap that we see from where our church is at right now in regards to that property. We commit that to you. Father, we know that you uh, own all of the resources throughout this world. It all belongs to you. You own it all. Lord, you can release more and more resources to come our direction. Most of that, Lord, I sense would come through our own pocketbook, through our own families, through our own banks, Lord, through our resources. So, Father, I just pray that you'd you'd speak to us, you'd you'd stir our hearts. Um, But, Father, we pray that you would um, energize our, our faith through this experience as we're walking through it together. So we look to you for help In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.